much horror business driving late at night. Psycho 78, 12 o'clock, don't be late, I said all this horror business. Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. My name is Liam Andrew O'Donnell. Your middle name's Andrew? It is. And you... Wow, you're almost life of agony, your initials. <laughs> I know. Well, okay, so uh, quick aside. Um, when I was in fifth and sixth grade, me and my friends wanted to create a series of comic books, mostly because we were into, like, 90s X-Men and stuff. And so um, I, I wanted to come up with, like... A, a, a moniker that would work for me as an artist, which, by the way, I I don't know why I thought I could do art because I couldn't, but also would work for me for our other projects that me and my friends had. I had two these two friends, Lenny and Cecil, and uh, me, Lenny and Cecil, we were part of a uh, of a new like a like a like a R and B like a fake R and B group in our minds fake. that was that was LLC, just like BBD, Bell Biv DeVoe. They were our we were obsessed with Bell Biv DeVoe. I like and so that. we would. We would lip sync along to the Poison video, and uh, we were LLC. And so I was trying to come up with a moniker that would work for that, or if I became an MC. It was basically like if I was going to do anything um, famous, I needed a – so my thing was L.A. O'Donnell. You know, I would know it's Liam Andrew O'Donnell, but I would just write it, L.A. O'Donnell. And then someone pointed out to me in middle school, well, then you'd have to move to L.A., wouldn't you? And I was like, God damn it. It's interesting. I don't know if I'd be comfortable telling that to anybody. If that was, if I were you, I would. I, I, I wouldn't have. It already exists. It's out there. It's out there. It's it's in the ether. It's too fucking late. Start Jacob, calling me L.A. In. Everyone, call me L.A. L.A. O'Donnell. Uh, so this episode is going to be our 2020 year in retrospect. The stuff we liked. I what number? What number episode like. is this? Justin? This is episode 93 of Harvest. Sick. Sick. We'll just say this episode is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. You know Thank what Patreon you. is. If you're, you're interested in becoming a patron, just go to www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Shout out to anyone who's already become a patron, and thank you very much for your hard-earned money. We appreciate it. Um, let me just let me let me just say this because this will function both as a message and a promo. Um, I emailed all of our patrons and I said, "Hey, give me your shirt size so I can send you a shirt." And let me know when you're available. We want to start doing Zoom hangouts for patrons so that they can, you know, interact with hosts and maybe some other writers or whoever else Cinepunks is on staff. And because we have a thing that we want to invite them to that is secret and that we won't be talking about directly on the show at all. Um, And uh, I got exactly one reply from our uh, uh, blah, blah, some patrons. And... Uh, it, it wasn't, that's not a lot of replies. So if you're hearing this episode, go into your email, look in your junk mail for an, an email from cinepunks at gmail.com, put us into your normal folder so we're no longer going to your spam folder, and reply to the email because I want to send you stuff and I want to make sure we can get you guys on some Zoom calls to hang out and talk to some of the people over at Cinepunks. Yeah, you fucking turkeys. No, I love you. I don't. That, I didn't want to shame anyone or anything like that. It's just I, I assume people didn't reply because, you know, if you've never gotten an email from us before, we probably go straight to your spam folder. Uh, Nick Spacek went straight into my junk mail, and I was alarmed. Yeah, I could see that. 
I wouldn't know because I don't have access to the horror business email. So I'm sure all the <laughs> I'm sure all the nudes that our fans have been sending me. Oh, right, right. Just yeah. erasing. Yeah. Please make sure Liam sees this picture of my booty and you just <laughs> erase it. And I'm like, no. That has happened all of none times. <laughs> so uh, this episode is also brought to you by the premier screen printing company of the greater Lehigh Valley, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam, if I wanted to get a T-shirt made for my, uh, oh, fuck. Um, what would I be if I was from Ghana? Ghanaian? For my Ghanaian movie poster appreciation club, where would you, where, where would you recommend me to go? Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Exactly. Now, not only did I use that weirdly specific example because the owner, the CEO of Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, Chris Reject, out of the kindness of his heart, gave me, he gifted me with a uh, Ghanaian, Ghanan, a movie poster from Ghana of John Carpenter's The Thing, and that's been in my mind recently. But mm-hmm. also because they'll do a fucking great job. They'll do too good of a job if you go there with your project, with your idea for your t-shirt, for your thing, whatever thing that is. Whether it's the 2011 flawed but competent prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing, or if it's the fucking hand from the Adams Family, The Thing, or, you know, Ben Grimm, Clancy Street's Finest, The Thing. Whatever it is, they'll make a t-shirt out of it. You got anything to add to that, Liam? <laughs> no, I didn't know if you had more things up your sleeve. I was I've, waiting to see. I'm out of things. I've named all the things. <laughs> Look, y'all, you've heard us say it before. For those of you who are new, it's xlvacx.com. You may not even realize you have something you want screen printed yet. Just think about it, man. Like I, I think that it's worth thinking about as a way you can do fundraisers with shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, sweatpants. You could use it as a way to promote team unity. You can use it as a way to get people excited about your band or podcast or whatever, your barbershop, whatever it is xlvacx.com check it out tell them that justin lore sent you and they'll give you the vip treatment they'll give they you the give vip you some, treatment they'll give you some trash potato chips that they got out of the trash maybe a bowl of ramen you know they'll hook you up maybe some of the fucking 15 pound bag of vegan jerky that chris reject has lying around yeah that is at maybe, this point years old Maybe you'll get to pet one of Chris's dogs that look like chihuahuas that are rotting, but they're not rotting. That's just how they look. www.xlvacx.com. Don't let the X's fool you. Chris Reject is he's not straight edge. He's never been straight edge. And I don't mean never is in the way if you not now, you never were. Like he has literally never been straight edge. <laughs> yeah, he actually has never been. He actually edge. has never been straight edge. Uh, We also want to thank our friends over at Essex Coffee Roasters. Look, all you need to know is the following. One, they uh, roast your coffee to order. So you make an order, that's when the coffee gets roasted. Two, they have the highest quality beans, a wide variety of uh, single origin as well as blends. Uh, Three, they also have tea and a bunch of different kinds of tea. And four, if you enter in the code CINEPUNK, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, at checkout, all caps, you will get 10% off your order. That's all you need to know. Those are all the things. And every time you do that, order coffee from them, 
Use the code. That helps us out. So, you know, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Check it out. That's it. Done. Fucking do it. Now comes the time. We've made it past the winter solstice. Are we do? We're gonna do this. We're doing it. All right. Well, should we do? Because I've watched some things recently that didn't really. Some of them didn't make my list. I have not. Okay. Yeah. You know what? That's fine. There's a couple things I watched recently that I didn't like. So we could talk about those. Anything I watched recently I liked is on my list that we're about to discuss. Cool. But if you want to talk some some stuff that I thought was not so great, we can do that. Let's talk some shit. <laughs> okay, let's do it. All right, go. Tell me. Talk shit. Uh, so I watched a little movie called Sea Fever. Okay. It's okay. It's fine. Um, it's totally fine. I mean, look. Uh, I, I, I think I liked it more than a lot of people I know when I went to the letterbox. I was kind of surprised at the low ratings. I think it's pretty solid. I will say that like um, there's a moment, I won't ruin it, but something really gross happens. And it sets a tone that you think, <coughs> okay, cool. Now this is where we're at. Gross stuff. We're going to have gross stuff for the rest of the movie. I'm in. Let's do this body horror grossness. We're, we're so in. And then it doesn't really do that. No. Um, there's a couple of things that are, I guess, kind of squirmy, but for the most part, no, it, it is more now I will say what it does instead have a bunch of people arguing about whether they should, you know, uh, sacrifice for the greater good. Eh, it's a little poignant right now in our COVID times. I will say, uh, they definitely made this movie prior to the pandemic. In fact, people saw it at Fantastic Fest before the pandemic. So, um, they weren't trying to capitalize on our current moment, and yet in the film you're sitting there going, "Oh, okay, this is very similar to the discussions people are having now." Uh, only in the movie, people are choosing possibly the wrong thing because they want to like see their families or uh, you know get get back to safety, and not because they just want to go party at a bar like a jerk off. Anyways, point is, uh, I, I don't think it's a movie you should avoid, but it it's not great. I don't think it's great. It was okay, I suppose. It's fine. You know, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's fine. All right. Um, okay. So I also watched uh, Bad Hair. Oh, how was that? So it, there's a lot about it to like, and I get why so many people did like it. Um, I, I, I just felt like it's an effort. So part of the stated effort of the movie by Justin Simeon is to have it sort of function as a love letter to black women and their hair and the, the experience of, um, you know, uh, black women with their hair. And I think the movie is, granted, I'm not a black woman, so everyone should make their own decisions, but. What? I know. Um, but when it ended, I thought, well, that felt a little more exploitative than it felt glorifying. And then when I looked up reviews, there were quite a number of reviews by, uh, you know, actual African-American women who uh, agreed and felt like the movie was actually kind of fucked up. And uh, when I read the reviews, I kind of thought, well, I think I'm in a similar place. Now, <clears throat> most of those reviews also thought, therefore, the movie was trash. I won't go that far. I think it, I think it kind of works. I just think um, it, 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 in my opinion could have focused a little more on the characterization it could have focused a little less on just the horror of dealing with hair in general you know and 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 um it could have focused a little bit more on 
maybe some of the reasons that uh like it starts off with a little bit of that like the pressure to conform and have your hair confirmed to certain beauty standards but it doesn't do enough to interrogate that in my opinion and it doesn't um it doesn't it sort of suggests that the women who choose things like relaxers and weaves and you know who who don't choose natural hair are choosing something unambiguously bad though a couple characters say well i understand you got to do what you got to do it feel th- those feel like throwaway lines and i feel like that's problematic especially for a movie made by a man to be like mm. to sort of set it up so that it's like well all these women who are getting these weaves are choosing something bad you know what i mean i got you um now granted i don't think that's the intention i think the intention is to talk about the ways that uh, or rather to embody the anxieties around hair in something more literal like a horror movie. So let the horror represent the intangible anxieties around expectations around hair, the damage that can be done to hair by, you know, uh, and the expense, you know, that, that there's this huge massive industry about dealing with hair, you know. And so, I, I you know, I, I don't think it fails totally. I think that would be a harsh thing. Um, but I will say that, taking in the criticisms that I read, which were very strong. Um, I think that if someone uh, is worried about the movie, like, I don't know, I'm a little skeptical that that uh, a, a movie that uh, uses CGI bloodthirsty weaves to represent, you know, this issue is maybe not something I need to see. I'll go ahead and say, yeah, you should avoid it. Um, if you're not worried about that, you know, it, it's pretty good. I just think... Uh, I think, like in anything, and we've talked about this, it's easier to ignore things that make you slightly uncomfortable when the movie's very good. And I got I'm willing, you. To, I'm willing to admit that. Like that's just how it is. If I thought the movie was better, I wouldn't have even looked for the negative reviews. You know. Yeah. But I just the movie didn't quite work for me, and then I thought, well, let's see what people are saying. Like maybe people are saying great things about it, and uh, and I'm sure some people were. But I read lots of things that were not that. So I was like, oops. Um, I also watched, I just so you guys know, because we're doing our year-end wrap-it-up, I tried to watch a lot of movies. So a, a couple of them made it in. Not all of them did. I watched that movie Freaky. What did you think? Um, I think that uh, the side characters and the writing in general is pretty good. Uh, I liked the goriness of it. I don't understand why people are praising Vince Vaughn's performance. I think yeah, Vince, it's, it's I, just Vince Vaughn. He's bad. Like he speaks in a higher pitch voice. He occasionally flops his arms around. He puts his hand in the way so he doesn't actually kiss a boy on camera because God forbid he kiss a boy on camera. Like he blocks it with his hand like a friggin' coward. Uh, and because he didn't do anything when he was in when he was the serial killer character, he didn't do anything memorable. So when our uh, young woman is meant to be uh, possessed by the serial killer, she doesn't do anything memorable. Like the script doesn't give her anything. Yeah, to, exactly. Like, work, and so she just walks around hunched over a little bit and looking not creepy at all. the The best work in the movie is her friends. All of her friends are way more interesting than she's. And I don't think it's her acting. I think it's she's not given much to do. And then I think with Vince Vaughn who's on camera way more than she is and has a character that he could embody, the only way he's figured out to embody it is to like have a slightly more high-pitched voice. That's That doesn't feel effective to me. I wouldn't say it's terrible. It's like a three out of five stars for me for that. Um, but 
I was really hoping for more. And I think, honestly, between the gore and the rest of the script, like a concept I think is actually pretty good, that it's a bit of a disappointment, especially from that director who I think, for me, uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2 are like great movies. Like I think they're very good and very fun. Yes. And so I'm really bummed that this one just it just wasn't there. And I, you know, I don't want to lay all of that at Vince Vaughn's feet, but you know, I could. Uh, I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess the only other thing. Uh, okay. Well, so it didn't make my list. It made my honorary mentions, but it's not on my official list. I watched Get Duped. Did you see this? No. It's a British horror comedy. Uh, four kids are sent on this um, nature hike thing. That's a real thing. It's called the uh, Duke of Edinburgh Challenge, where they send troubled teens to march through the Scottish Highlands. But uh, it turns out that's just a scheme for rich people to hunt um, troublesome teenagers for funsies. Uh, the the murderous rich people are played, by the way, by uh, uh, Eddie Izzard, who's uh, she was actually one of the. Uh, executive producers on the film so that's pretty cool um i liked it i think it's trying really hard to be at the level of something like Shaun of the dead or uh the in-betweeners or you know like stuff like that yeah and and it's not that however if you do find young people funny and if like young people you have like a chip on your shoulder against uh boomers uh, which is really what a lot of the, is animating this movie, that I think it's still very enjoyable. Um, it just isn't as witty as I think it could have been. Um, I think the script just needed a little bit of a punch-up. Um, it's still funny. It's just not that funny. I got um, you. Uh, but, you know, I like it. I like I like that sort of uh, kind of wish fulfillment sort of thing. And the last thing I wanted to mention, which I'm sure you were going to mention, uh, is Promising a Woman. Yes, let's talk about that. I didn't put on my list. Um, I I like it a lot. I think it actually works better as not a horror movie, which isn't to say it isn't a horror movie, but I just think like I I like thinking of it more as a thriller in a lot of ways. Um, yes, I thought it was good. I I get that it's a, a bit divisive for people. Um, personally, I. It's one of those things where I came to it wanting one thing and I got something else, and that's not the movie's fault. I think overall the movie works. I was ready for some serious blood on this thing. I was ready for her to just do the murdering, and I was on her side for the murdering. And the fact that the film goes out of its way to make her, you know, she's manipulative, she's mean, I guess, but she doesn't hurt people physically. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't have, like, scenes of her torturing dudes and cutting their genitalia off so like you know i don't know i i mean that's i guess that's good that's better it probably makes it a better movie in a lot of ways it's just i went in expecting something and i didn't get it and i felt a little like oh <laughs> but i think what it is is still very good and i think there's a feeling that like maybe it's a little harsh at the end and, and i guess but i don't know i i i just don't have that concern considering i went in ready for a modern take on Miss 45 or something, and it was way more calm than that. Um, I wasn't horrified by it. I wasn't like, oh no, this is, I can't believe it took this sudden turn. The whole movie, I'm thinking like, is she killing these guys? What's happening? Is there a body count? What's going on? You know what I mean? Like, so I I, I don't know. I wasn't scandalized by it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I thought the ending was a little too cruel. I get that 
you know, in real life, not everything wraps up in a neat little package. But I thought the way the narrative wraps up, it was a bit much. I actually had to fast forward through it. Yeah, it, it wow, didn't it, okay. it really affected. I, I don't know. Like it just, <laughs> it, it kind of made my stomach turn, if I can be completely honest. And not in a way of like, this is so tasteless, but like, mm, mm. I don't know. It was just, I mean, it, it, I don't really want to spoil this movie because I think if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, it I was agree. a satisfying film. You know, I, I definitely enjoyed seeing these uh, jerk off, nice guy, um, wolves in sheep clothing type get their asses handed to them, albeit just verbally. Like, uh, and I loved how it it kind of like uh, dissects the the whole bullshit persona of like. How dudes are like, no, I'm a nice guy. Like, and you know, especially when she confronts like McLovin, that scene was amazing. But I don't know. Like, it just it, it felt it it felt a tad too cruel to me. I guess so. I mean, I I guess I only feel a little bit of that because they went so out of their way to make her kind of blameless. You know what I mean? And um, you know, even though she, you feel like she's maybe. Before we have the big reveal about one of the other characters, you feel like maybe she's moving from the darkness to the light. But I'm like, well, the darkness wasn't really that dark in the first place, you know? And I think that makes the way the film wraps up feel even more intense for people. But again, you know, I was expecting, you know, a film where she's like, you know, mass murdering people. And so has to get taken out because she's an yeah. unhinged weapon or something. You know what I mean? So I, I think that level, I will say in a film where she doesn't commit any on-screen violence, it's a little jarring that there is the violence oh, that yeah. you do see. You know what I mean? But I will also say this does prove my theory that you could have a very compelling, um, rape revenge movie that doesn't no, actually that's, have any rape that, that's exactly you know what i'm saying that, like, that's exactly what i like about this movie is like it was still yes equally unsettling when rape was spoken about you don't need to see right it. you don't need to you don't need a, and, a scene of it you believe that her life yeah. is ruined in some ways uh, because and, of what happened to her friend and you and you know that whatever her friend's experience was was even worse so like <clears throat> the idea that like, well, we need to we need to scandalize the audience so that that, well, that way they'll be behind the darkness later. Yeah. I'm like, eh, I don't. I, I, apparently, you don't. You know, because I was on board pretty early on for yeah, whatever she wanted to do. I think that kind of do. proves the film's point in that like we don't need to see for ourselves sexual assault to be horrified by sexual assault. Hearing about it is bad right. enough. The fact that it exists is is, is sickening. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it, that's my biggest problem with films like The Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave and you know these like exploitation-y films where it's like um, they always justify the rape by being like, but yeah, then she gets revenge. And I'm like, yeah, but people don't watch this movie for the – you know what I mean? It's, it's like there's a certain subset of people that that's part of the appeal is sequences where women are like – utterly and completely objectified like that's and it's I, I don't know like it's just in this movie 
whenever they would talk about what happened to her and her friends, you're just like, okay, I'm on board. Like, I understand why she's doing this. It's, I, I, I'm there for, I'm, I empathize with her. I, but I, without giving away too much, I think the, the thing about this movie that also kind of upset me was how there was a character who saw themselves as blameless. Or not necessarily blameless, but a character who honestly believed that they hadn't done anything wrong and was like confounded by her rage at them. I just thought that was so, um, that there's, it, it just really highlighted like a moral blind spot uh, that a lot of people, men, have when it comes to these matters. It's like, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, they all, they, don't worry, they shine the light yeah, no, on no women doubt. too. They, There's they, also they a abso- female character. They absolutely do. This, this totally isn't- right. You know what I mean? It's, they, they show that, the, that, that aspect of rape culture, it, it, you know. Obviously, it's more the men because they're the perpetrators in in this situation. But there's a female character yeah. who's definitely and put on. I, I think the whole idea of like, well, I myself didn't actually do this. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's what the old fucking Franklin Roosevelt. What did he say? Greatest evil comes when good men do nothing. I was gonna say, I bet if I put this key on a kite, That's some fun. shit's gonna pop off. <laughs> I know that's because my, my brain. That's what I was thinking you said, and then yeah, I was I like, thought, oh, I no, thought that was Mr. Words. Fantastic that said that about the key. <laughs> no, I think Mr. Fantastic said every well, part Mr. of Fantastic it grows, said baby. Was, <laughs> um, that's not the ul- only ultimate nullifier. I also want to say um, I don't entirely agree on the uh, exploitation films. I love exploitation films. But I do think like a movie like I Spit on Your Grave is a good example to me of uh, wanting to have your Fair cake enough. and eat it yeah. too. You know, that, that, that's, that's the issue for me with that particular film is that, you know, the, the movie doesn't work if, if the camera is as leering as the villain's. Then it's like, okay, <laughs> why exactly are we watching this? But that's the same problem with, uh, uh, in my mind, with Fincher's uh, uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. That, you know, y- you're trying to make this thing that's like just a little too stylized yes. and sexy for it to work. <sighs> anything? Have you seen anything else? I think that's about it. Or at least that's what I wrote down. So I don't. Okay, I'll be quick else. with mine. Um, not to say you weren't quick with yours, but I'm going to. Uh, I watched a little movie called The Deeper You Dig. I did as oh, well, but very it's good, on my very list. good. That gets an honorable mention for me, so just that. I also watched a movie called uh, A Shadow in the Cloud. Oh, you actually watched it? Yes, sure, I did. sure, sure. Okay. I thought it was fine. Um, it was a little <laughs> ridiculous, but it was, you know, it, my biggest problem with it wasn't the fact that our main character at one point is like uh, sort of like Donnie Muck climbing across the skin of a B-29 bomber as it's being attacked by Japanese zeros. <laughs> that part, I watched that and I was like, oh, fuck it, that's fine. Of course, she's scaling up. That's It's 8,000 feet in the air in the middle of a dogfight. I'm, I'm here for this. The movie's biggest flaw is that it couldn't make up its mind with which plot line it wanted to go with. 
Like, there's a plot line there that doesn't involve the supernatural at all that would have made a very compelling and very interesting movie. And as I'm watching it, you know, it's like, okay, this is cool. You know, our main character is like a woman who is like, you know, she's like a, like a, like a combat pilot, but these men like don't respect her and she has to get from point A to point B. So she's like riding in this bomber and then she like proves herself to this like scrappy crew of like, you know, misogynistic dickheads and eventually they come to accept her because she proves like whatever, like that in and of itself, while not a great movie, I would watch that movie. And then you add into it that there are gremlins that they have to fight. And then it just becomes this whole new insane thing. Like, but uh, what is it? Is it like a, is it fucking Ripley proving herself to the Marines on LV-420? Or is it actual gremlins in the sky? Like, fucking pick a movie. And it just couldn't decide what, what it wanted to be more of. You know what I mean? I hear you. Yeah, it's it's trying to be so many things at once. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was sold in the room on the very thing that you're complaining about. Like, it's blah, blah, blah meets blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like either or would have been fine. Um, I'm actually happy there were gremlins. I, um, I, I would like a movie to have more gremlins in it. Um, but I was just watching it being like, this is the most unbelievable thing in this movie is the fact that all of these things would happen at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. It's a shame because I think on paper, it's one of those movies where on paper I'm like, that could actually be pretty fun. But just watching the trailer, I thought, I don't think this is going to work out. No, I mean, it was fine. Like, it it was... It, it certainly... It it made me glad I wasn't born. I it made me glad I wasn't like a a, a a ball turret gunner in the fucking Second World War. Um, but again, it, it was like there's this really compelling human story about like forbidden love and 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 overcoming like misogyny and like your station in life, and then you have to fight a gremlin on the outside of a B twenty nine bomber while Japanese fighter planes are like shooting at you. It's just like. Well, Okay, I, I, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, I guess. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If we don't have gremlins for them to fight on the outside of planes, how will we ever know, Justin, that women are worth anything? I, 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 I retract my criticism. <laughs> um, the only other movie I watched was a film I'm going to talk about. So let's just jump in and, and, and start with our... Let's do our honorable mentions before we do our number one. So let's start with our number sure, 10. Sure, 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 sure. All right, sure, you sure, go sure, first because sure. you're Liam. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mentioned uh, a couple of my honorable mentions a little bit, like Get Duked is one of mine. I also want to mention a movie called uh, Extraordinary. You know about this? I do not. This is another horror comedy. Um, in fact, I would say between Get Duked, Extraordinary, and Spontaneous, there were multiple horror comedies slash horror adjacent comedies that I thought were really good. None of them completely blew me away enough to make this list necessarily, but I think they were uh, all three of those were really good. Extraordinary. Honestly, if I didn't watch, if I hadn't watched my number 10 today, Extraordinary would have been on my list. It's an Irish film about a woman who is from a family of uh, 
psychics, basically people who deal with uh, paranormal stuff. But she had a bad experience, okay. And so now she works as a driving teacher, um, and uh, she gets to know uh, another family in her town because they're dealing with a ghost situation, and she wants to help them out. Meanwhile. Uh, in her town, uh, Will Forte is playing a washed-up musician who had this one, um, one hit way back in the day, and he's trying to figure out how to get his career back on track. And so he's decided a pact with Satan is the way to do that. So right at the moment where our main character, uh, played by I think Maeve Higgins, um, when our main character is trying to help this family deal with their ghost. Their daughter is bewitched by Will Forte's character to be part of a sacrifice, a satanic sacrifice, so he can get his career back on uh, uh, off the ground. It is ridiculous. It's definitely a over-the-top, silly kind of humor. Um, if you're someone who wants more like written jokes instead of just total weird stuff, this might not work for you. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, situational uh, goofiness in the film, but it fucking worked for me top to bottom. It was a lot of fun. Um, I also, on my um, honorable mentions, uh, two films by uh, Bria Grant, uh, 12-Step Program and Lucky. Um, I thought they were both really good. 12-Step Program, I think, is more horror adjacent, so I didn't put it on my list, uh, but it is good. Lucky, I really liked. Um uh, but it, you know, it just narrowly didn't make it onto my list. Lucky got uh, it. Gets an couple, honorable mention from me. We'll just say that up top. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's really good. I think people should check it out. Uh, a few other things. I won't spend a lot of time on these, but uh, Host, The Amulet, Alone, uh, are all movies that uh, I've really enjoyed. Uh, and then I rewatched uh, Beach House. It's still not on my list, but I just appreciate what it was trying to do without a lot of money. And I, I'm, I, I think it's worth mentioning. Like, if you like gooey, Lovecrafty, and stuff, it's worth checking out. Uh, and one last thing, also, um, didn't make it on my list, not because it's not one of my favorite movies of the year, but because it's not technically horror. It just ends in a way that I think would be very satisfying for horror people. And that's the uh, uh, Brazilian movie Bacurau. Uh, if you're someone who who appreciates uh, exploitation but wants something with a little bit of a uh, uh, social justice revenge feel, uh, Bacurau is the movie for you. And like I said, it... it it has violence in it. It mostly doesn't play like a horror movie until the end, and uh, I like the way that it, it resolves. So I, I, I didn't put it on my list. I think I would actually put it on my list for movies for the whole year because it's really good, but I think it, it's a little outside of our purview on this show, but I wanted to bring it up because I think horror fans wouldn't necessarily like it as a horror movie, but they might like the movie and appreciate the gore and certain parts of it. So Excellent. Anyway. Bakura. Okay. How about you? What is your honorable mentions? Oh, we're doing that right now. Okay. I was going to do that at the end. Um, honorable mentions are uh, Mother of Monsters. Wait, didn't you great... just have me say all my honorable mentions? Why wouldn't you say yours? Oh, because I thought we were going to do our honorable mentions before we did our number one. Oh, I didn't understand that. My bad. No, that's fine. I just no, did no, them no. all now, yeah. and then I was going to go to number 10 after you did yours. Let me be clear. I was going to do a top 20. So this is actually like the first 10 of my top 20. I'll post my honorable mentions like later on like Instagram and all that. But I'll just say I'll breeze through my 20 through 11. Uh, Mother of Monsters. Um, I thought that movie was 
deeply unsettling um, and very underrated. Uh, Run, I fucking love that movie. Uh, Uncle Peckerhead was a blast of punk rock, sweet fun with a cannibalistic ogre person. Uh, Rose plays Julie. I was, again, deeply unsettling. Uh, Come Play, which is sort of like a bigger budget uh, horror movie, I thought was very well done. His House, one of the scariest films I've seen all year. Uh, Boys from County Hell, another fun movie. Host, which we've already talked about. Beach House, which we've already talked about. And then uh, After Midnight, you know, continuing on our our, our, our Brie Grant appreciation uh, streak. Oh, is she in that? Oh, yeah, she's like one of the main characters. I've been meaning to watch it. I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet. I also want to agree with you. Boys from County Hell. I totally forgot we saw that at... Uh... Night Stream, yeah. I like that a lot, too. That probably is an honorable mention for me as well. So what's your number 10? Go. Uh, a little movie that people can check on Shudder called uh, La Llorona. Interesting. Uh, not to be confused with The Curse of La Llorona, which is an entirely different film. This movie is uh, a, a Guatemalan film about a... Um, well, if, in case people don't know, Guatemala was one of many places that experienced genocides in its history, specifically in an effort to fight communists. A bunch of uh, we had nothing to do with Mayan... that. Mayan, like I'm America sure had, we did. America had nothing to do with that, right? Okay, go oh, ahead. I'm sure we did. Uh, okay. A bunch of indigenous Mayan folks were executed. So this is uh, this movie set now, though, in which a general is on trial for <clears throat> genocide. He's found guilty of genocide. And he's retreated to his home while the government works at um, basically invalidating the verdict. They want to not have him suffer. Uh, And a variety of supernatural things start to happen at the house, kind of connected to his horrible past of genocide. Um, It's very good. It is very much, for people who know about places that have gone through similar things, there's definitely a, a... uh, Los Desparecidos vibe, you know, it's it's very much about the missing and the lost. It's about the uh, dealing with your history. Um, I will say it's an extreme slow burn. So if you don't like slow burns, this isn't up your alley. But the just the just the uh, the deep satisfaction. I mean, this is something we've talked about before. It's not my favorite genre, but I do enjoy the horror genre that basically is wish fulfillment yes where you see bad people get what they deserve oh, and so i understand good. that that's that's fantasy but that's one of the original kinds of horror was like not oh you're a good person and bad is coming for you it was hey here's all the bad things that are going to happen to bad people and so that's what this movie is and it was entirely satisfying <laughs> um so you know, uh, uh, I, I I recommend it. It's it, maybe not my. I mean, obviously, it's number ten, so it's not at the top of my list. But I just found it to be a very satisfying film. How about you? What's your number ten? Number ten was the first horror movie I saw in twenty twenty, uh, and one of the last films I saw in the theater. A little movie called Underwater. Oh, okay. Um, I think a lot of the the fear in this came from. Um, putting yourself in the place of the characters. Like there's just something that makes the skin crawl at the thought of walking across the bottom of the ocean in complete absence of light while something monstrous lurks just outside 
your 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 view. Um, I've watched this movie like twice and seeing it in theaters, and it still had the same effect on me. Uh, so it obviously stuck with me. Um, I think the very end is a little corny, and by the very end, I don't mean the reveal of like who's behind it all. Um, but the last shot is is kind of like ugh, they didn't they they did that okay. Um, but no, I thought this was a cool movie. I thought it was just a streamlined, uh, no frills, lean monster movie. Um, yeah, and I just had had a lot of fun with it. Mm, mm. With good old case do as well. Yes. And that dude who sucks. I always forget his name. Vincent Cassell? No, you're talking about. I know. Um, what's his face? The yeah, guy. Yeah. No, I like Vincent Cassell. A lot oh no, too. he's great. I was. God damn it, Liam. I know. I know. Okay, number nine. A movie you've already mentioned. The deeper you dig. Excellent. This is for those of you who haven't seen it. This is a super low budget, super small, family made. Uh, you know, no budget nightmare sort of movie, and it is very much a, a bit of a nightmare movie. Um, there's definitely some things to criticize here, so I'll put those up front. Of a, um, they definitely go for kind of a, a fluid logic of what's happening as opposed to a clear ABC sort of like narrative. Uh, but I'm okay with that. You know, there's a lot of moments of s- surreal things happening. So I, I kind of appreciated that, especially because in my experience, movies of this sort of like homemade variety uh, tend to be less artistic than all that. They just want to shoot something cool. And this yeah. movie was a lot more atmospheric. And that's hard to do with no money and a cast of f- like four people. So uh, the fact that they were able Three to of do... S- our father daughter and yeah. mother yeah yeah who are also the writers and the directors and the camera people you know like the folks you're seeing acting also took time setting up the camera and setting up the sound and you know what i mean so uh just knowing what a family affair this was and it being so good like a lot of times anything that's this indie you give a little bit of leeway to but uh but i don't think this needs that much leeway you need to be able to a roll with not all of the logics of the movie are clear sometimes. And B, there's there's two CGI special effects things that I think were unnecessary, that they could have just done something either practical or with in-camera sort of effects. Yes. Um, but, but Was it the scene in the it, basement when the girl jumps out? That was one of the scenes, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, yeah there's, there's other stuff too. But the point is, okay, fine. You know, that this is their first movie and they made it with four people. So the fact that they were able to do anything this good, it, you know, it works. Plus, it is actually atmospheric. It is actually a bit upsetting. And uh, it really sets a tone that I think is really compelling. So, you know, it, it, if you're someone who doesn't need super high budgets and is stoked on something that is this kind of DIY, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it is, for me, the best low budget movie I've watched in a very long time. Hey, hey, hey Liam, say again, yeah. say, say it, it should get a little bit of leeway. Say it gets a little bit of leeway. It gets a little bit of leeway. Oh, so it gets rise and fall, but not Mark of the squealer. 
Okay. So that's your number nine. Yeah, that's right, number nine. I really like that movie. It, it, I thought it was really good. I thought it, it, was it really gets good. like a, it gets like an actual honorable mention for me later on. Like it didn't make my top twenty, but you know, it's fucking dope. Uh, my number nine was Sputnik. Didn't see it. Didn't get a chance to see it. Again, I won't quite call it a slow burn, but for a film that's about an astronaut, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, a cosmonaut that comes back to Earth possessed by an alien, I think this movie could have rested entirely. It could have put its hat entirely on that rack and just been like a a full-blown creature feature fucking gore fest. Instead, it kind of uses like almost um I don't even know how to how to describe it. Like it uses the fact that the creature only comes out at night. It uses the period of time between the creature emerging from this guy. It uses that time as a source of horror and what's going on there. Which is I think kind of a kind of a daring thing to do in a movie that again could have just been like a a straight up monster movie. They instead chose to like, oh, also when the monster's asleep, here's all this other terrifying that shit that shit that's happening. And it was a gamble that paid off. Like the scenes involving the the actual alien are really fucking cool. But the scenes that are about the cosmonaut who's possessed by the alien and what's happened to him are equally cool and equally horrifying. So it's like, at the risk of sounding too like arty, the human story there is just as compelling as the creature story. And I think that is like a tightrope that... Wait a minute, wait a minute. How does that sound arty? No, like the human, the, the humanity, like the, the human story of it. Like, I don't know, that that's just sounds not, like... That's No, it doesn't. That sounds like you're actually thinking about the movie. It doesn't sound too arty. Fuck you. I'm not being vulnerable. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sputnik, it's a really cool movie. Um, you should definitely check it out. Now, here's the thing. Will it be scary to me knowing that I don't think aliens are scary? No, because it's not. It, I mean, it's. It, let me be honest. It's not a scary movie. Um, mm. And it's not mm. the type of aliens that scare me either. They don't, they're not like the wrinkly, funky doctors from Fire in the Sky this is like a straight up like almost like closer to a xenomorph than to like a like a gray so it's not that sounds f- more scary to me though yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it's not so much it's not scary in the sense that it's like oh shit here's this thing that's almost human that's not quite human and i don't know what the fuck it's going to do to me it's scary because it's trying to fucking murder you and it can't be reasoned with i'm going to check it out it, it's i good. think it yeah, looks good i just have yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's an extremely good movie yeah all right, number eight. I picked a little film called Alone. Yes, tell me about it. I mean, look, I, I it's hard to make a compelling horror movie for me that is so based in the real world. And I think when I first saw it, I thought it was pretty good. But I actually rewatched it, and I realized, like, it really moves. And um, it really gets at anxieties that maybe uh, as a cis het male I don't have but okay. I know are real you know what I mean like yeah. just the idea that some jerk off could be worse than that that he's not just a jerk off but that there's more 
at stake. There's more horrible things underneath the surface. That's very real. And uh, and to make it so compelling without it being, he's not immortal. He's not a fucking magic man. You know what I mean? There, There isn't a huge body count. This is about one person escaping one other person. And to still have it be so tense, again, it's not the sort of horror I usually go for, but it's so well done that I had to put it on my list. I, I just am really impressed by the film. Cool. I can fuck with that. You know. And it's and there's it, it, it has its gross moments too, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how it is. How's your uh, uh how's your number eight? What's that? My about? number eight is a little movie called Z. Now, yeah, you you really were into this movie. This movie made my top 10 list largely on one scene and one scene alone. Um, like the whole movie, I think, is fine. You know what I mean? It's 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 sort of like the imaginary friend that becomes real and like is shitty, which is also kind of the premise of come play, except um, I think as a whole come play was probably like a better movie. But, like, there was one scene in Z where I was like, ah, fuck it. Like, that is a horror movie right there. I don't... Like, Come Play was a better movie technically, but it didn't make me turn the movie off because I was afraid to see what was going to happen next, whereas that happened with Z. Sure. And that's why Z is on this list, because it was, like, it was a competent movie. It was fine. And then it had one banger of a scene where I was like, oh, my God, fuck that. So that's on Shudder. Go check it out. There's not much more else I can say about it. Hmm. 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 All right. Number seven for me, an Australian film called Relic. Very good. This is one of those movies. I think, I guess I'm starting to see on Letterboxd there's some pushback against this. I'm, I am not burned out on this yet. So please keep them coming. That is the horror of real life humanity, you know? Oh yeah. The horror of dementia or family relationships or abuse or whatever. I'm starting to see people like criticize movies for being part of that trend. Okay. If that's, if that's your vibe, I guess. Uh, maybe you're you're waiting for that the hatchet movie to come back into vogue. <laughs> but for me, a movie that uh, takes uh, the the idea of Alzheimer's and uh, embodies it in something so haunting and horrible as like a, a generational haunting, um, and 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 turns it into a whole other dimension of awful. Uh, it was magical. It it was magical in the worst possible way. It really fucked me up. Uh, it got under my skin, and I think it has one of the most fitting, if depressing, endings I've seen in a long time. Um, I think in comparison to another movie that deals with uh, uh, real-life issues that I think doesn't handle it well, uh, I think Relic takes its metaphor seriously, and it aims for an ending that really um, works with what it is it's trying to embody in the world as opposed to bad hair. I think it it's 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 uh, in relation to the horrors of the real thing. And it's not just taking that as a starting point to, to spook you out. I think it, it in in embodying that in a specific way and taking the reality of it seriously, it almost exercises that. I think it could be very cathartic for people who are living in that reality as opposed to feeling exploited by it. So, um, yeah, Relic. I thought it was just well-made, well-acted, super just haunting. 
um, difficult to watch at times, but that's part of what makes it so good. That was also my number seven, and I agree with every word that you said. Fuck. All right. There you go. Yeah. Let's jump into number six. Get, yeah. we're, we're really cooking with gas now. Cooking with <laughs> gas. All right. Here we go. Number six. And I, you know, this is the first time I've ever been in this situation, but uh, you'll understand in a moment. Uh, my number six uh, is the sort of movie that, despite the fact that I like really love it and have really tried to tell people about it, um, I have to keep looking up um, the name of the movie. Because every time I look at the name of the movie, I think, is that right? Uh, I feel like I wrote it down wrong. And straight up, I just looked it up while I was uh, vamping, and I literally wrote it down wrong. <laughs> because okay. it's a terrible name. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Okay. Uh, I caught it at uh, Nightstream. Um, this is a, how do I describe this? Uh, a non-traditional vampire movie. Let's put it that way. But it's so non-traditional that anything you're looking for related to a vampire movie, usually, other than blood, is not in this movie. There it's is... also, it's a very fun movie, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so upbeat and filled with lots of jokes. No, it's one of the most depressing movies I watched this year. Actually. It fucking destroyed me as a human being. Yeah, that's why it's on the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's not totally scary but uh it'll affect you and it'll bum you out and that's part of what i look for in horror yes i also like fun horror i can hear you criticizing me over the airwaves brian christopher telling me that i'm no fun and i need to like the last freddy movie more or some bullshit no but you don't have to here's here's the reality this movie is very effective it is um a character study it is a look at a relationship of a family what families go through when they're dealing with extraordinary circumstances and it is an interesting take on the idea of vampires and it's a total bummer and i loved it i loved it top to bottom that's yes. my number six cool my number six is a good woman is hard to find i forget what tell me about this movie um, it's a oh, woman. Oh, I did watch this. Oh, no. I oh. was going to put this on my list, and I forgot. <sighs> Liam, <sighs> you fucker. I'm going to say this is my 6.5, and I actually have a list of 11. <laughs> to be to be, to be be adjusted later. Because yes. you're right. This is a great movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it, it made me uncomfortable the whole time. Out of, like, actual... It actually inspired in me this sense of like, when I say I, when I say it inspired me a sense of pity, I don't mean like any of the characters were pathetic. I mean, it was actually like, man, this really sucks what these people are going through. And it inspired a sense of like empathy in me that was so strong. It became, these people became pitiful in my eyes. But the end was so goddamn satisfying um, that I don't know. I just like I couldn't stop thinking about this movie for days after I watched it. Uh, I thought all the performances were amazing. It was just, I I don't like it. It was just like it was again much like underwater. It was just a no bullshit A B C D E F movie, like perfectly paced. Um, everything about it was just it knew what it wanted to be. It didn't waste any time. 
And I just thought it was wholly successful in what it tried to do. And the fucking... I have been listening a lot to the band that's, like, playing the club that this, that this character goes to at the end. It, I, I don't know. This this was just a movie that really affected me, and um, I just... I, I felt compelled to put it in my list. I think you could make an argument... <laughs> Not us, but people would make an argument that maybe it's not a horror movie. And my response to that would say it is structurally very much an exploitation-style thriller, except for the level of anxiety you feel before the climactic ending is too high for a thriller. There is no thriller that doesn't spill into straight horror that raises that level of fear and anxiety in someone the way that this fucking movie Absolutely does. Absolutely not. No, there is no it, movie like that. It is... In fact, you could say, I think a better description would be, it is a horror filmmaker's take on an action film. Because while much of it has the aspects of a crime thriller, the level of fear and anxiety and dread that this movie raises is not what anyone goes to a crime movie for. No one... When no, you go to the doctor for, for it because you're having a panic attack. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. It's a very well done movie. Yeah. So that was my that was my number six. A good woman is hard to find. Well, it'll probably be my number six too when I readjust my list. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do number five. My number five is a movie that um, people who know I see a lot of people talking about, but I haven't seen it impact the wider world. Not that we have a lot of listeners that aren't horror hounds but the few that we do have i think didn't even hear about this movie and that's a movie called uh the wolf of snow hollow love this movie it's so so this is movie is the brainchild of uh writer director star jim cummings who people might know from thunder road uh i think one of the criticisms of this movie might be that he plays a very similar character to what he does in thunder road i don't think that matters because it doesn't draw away from this movie um it this movie really walks that line. As I said earlier, a bunch of my um, uh, honorable mentions were films that were funny as well as horror movies, you know, whether they were horror adjacent or directly horror. What this movie manages to do is be funny without having that many jokes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are there are a few funny lines, but they're the sort of lines that people would say to each other. It's not... The, the film isn't structured in a way where you're like, here's a gag, boom, there's a gag, but a bump. Shh. That's not how the film works. But there are a number of uh, uh, moments of ridiculousness that you can't help but laugh while the film still maintains the tension of what is going on? Is there a werewolf or not? And I will, <laughs> I will not spoil that for anyone. Um, but that's the question here because there's a series of murders and it manages to keep that anxiety real for me. And during all of that, there's also like serious character stuff going on. You have a man struggling with his sobriety, and it's yeah, and struggling. It's weirdly with what it means to be a father, struggling yeah. what it's like to be a son. Like it's all this insane shit. Plus, Robert Forster's in it. Like, what the fuck? Like this yeah. movie is. It is um, just an amazing film, and it's it's not just a great horror movie, but I think it's a really great movie. Um, I think there are people who maybe aren't going to be satisfied with the way it ends. But for my taste, I think the ending is great. So, uh, yeah, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Excellent. My number five is a little film called An Unquiet Grave. 
I didn't see this. I don't even know anything about this. Um, it played Nightstream. Um, I'll just say it's like, um, it's it's kind of a. I don't want to say riff, but like it's kind of a a variation on, um, like Pet Cemetery, like a monkey's paw. Um, it's basically a film that deals with the horrific side effects or effects of grief that has not been adequately processed. And it looks at something, an aspect of this sub-subgenre of storytelling with bringing a loved one back is like, who were you? Um, who were you to bring that person back? Like, what gives you the right to bring that person back in the world? You are now subjecting a person to the horror of knowing that they have died. You know what I mean? Like, I've I've never really seen that uh, addressed in a in, in, in a film before, and I think mm. this movie does a really bang up job of doing it. If you, I've read a review for it, you can go check it out. Cinepunks.com. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. All right. Number four. Uh, my number four was actually an honorable mention for you, and that's a little movie called His House on Netflix. Awesome. I, I found it just as scary as Justin did. I will say parts of it are a little bit more modern horror than I usually like. Um, there's a couple of moments that are a little bit uh, on the, the current trend of, of what people like to do in horror movies. Crackly bones? Yeah, but that doesn't matter because the whole movie is such, for me, a poignant exploration of survivor's guilt. Um and survivor's guilt on a genocidal scale is huge. It's almost unfathomable. Um, and so for a movie to explore that, uh, as well as exploring whiteness, um, assimilation, uh, the inherent racism of being British, uh, you know, all that I like shit. That, I like that you point out that it explores the inherent racism of being British because the one scene that I thought was like really – went above and beyond in this movie is the scene where the one character who is black is lost in this neighborhood and she encounters these like three black teenagers and they make fun of her for being, they make fun of her for being from Africa. Like they tell her to go back to Africa. They feel no connection to this woman. Exactly. She she understandably, I I think sees three black children and thinks, Oh, maybe they'll be willing to help me. And is utterly amazed that they think, she is from another fucking planet. Yeah, and they're all like talking British at her. They're all like, "Oh, get this, Mike. Get that. Get uh, that. Yeah, bloody blah, blah, blah. yeah, it's it's horrifying." Um, yeah, I just thought it was very effective, and uh, you know, it it managed to explore things that I think are very important, and I think that that's difficult to do in a movie and have it be scary. It's difficult to be like this has real thought and content and cultural whatever behind it, and it also freaked the shit out of me. Those two things don't always go hand in hand, and I thought this was very well done. There was someone in this movie that I really enjoyed. I mean, the the, the main who who played? Oh God, there's like a cameo in this movie. Who played like their their like social worker? It was someone of note. Uh, is a dude who used to be Doctor Who. Yes, yes. Um, he was the guy who played. Uh, he was the guy in Twenty Eight Days Later, the shitty guy from Twenty Eight Days. No, no, he was the Skynet from the really good Terminator movie. Matt Smith. You know, yeah, Terminator Genesis, the really good Terminator. Ugh. Stop. Stop. I felt dirty saying that. Okay, you want to know what my number four is? Uh, Too fucking yeah, bad I'm gonna tell you. Okay. 
What if I was just like, nah, we're done. And just, <laughs> so, <laughs> I just got to go. I'm done. Yeah. Here. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Guess what? My number four, uh, my number four is a little movie called she dies tomorrow. Whoa. Okay. I like that. You'll, you'll see why in a sec. Um, tell me about the movie. All I'll say is this, this movie made it on my list for two reasons. One, I think the idea of contagious depression is fascinating and existentially terrifying. Two, the scene where she is talking to someone who is no longer with us, as in they are dead, and saying that even though they only had a little bit of time together, she still like appreciated it, had me... It. I didn't tear up. I didn't weep. Like, nothing as graceful as that. I was ugly crying watching that scene. Like, bawling mucus everywhere like sniffling and snuffling like a snuffleupagus or whatever there was just something about that scene that was so raw and and open and like human that it just fucking touched me in a way that very few films um have like that was a great moment in filmmaking for me mm. and I, I i just i it just affected me in a way that like the rest of the movie is fine. The rest of the movie is very good. But that scene just, it hit me in a very primitive way. I, I, I think it's mostly because it's like, I have a problem with like, um, you know, this is now like on the couch with Justin and Liam. <laughs> um, I have a problem with accepting the fact that even when partners end things with me, it doesn't mean that they stop caring about me. Um, sure. Yeah. I have, I, I have a real problem. Like the rational part of me understands that like they, they, they still do care about me, but there's part of this is now they don't give a fuck about you. And it's that scene where she's like talking about how much she like valued the time they had is like, it made me wonder which one of the many women that I've, that I've been with, if any of them felt that way. And that added like a layer of emotional texture that made this all the more poignant for me. She dies tomorrow. My number four. Well, uh, I'll just go ahead and say my number three is she dies tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I agree with everything Justin just said. I, you know, I think this is for a lot of people, a narratively frustrating movie. Um, and so if you aren't stoked, um, on a movie that's basically 84 minutes of a vibe, you know, it's a vibe. it is a vibe for almost the entire time. And while things happen, all of those things are not as important as the vibe. And if you think at some point there's going to be a big reveal of why any of this is happening, think again, my friend. Yeah. It's Hell like, no. It's almost like. It's like a Yola Tango song where you're just like feeling it the whole time and then it doesn't go anywhere, but that's fine because it's where you are at the moment. That's important. Yeah. I, I know that's, it's probably frustrated. There's a whole chunk of people who like our show and I love that they like our show who they will think of this as some pinky finger in the air. When you're talking about being artsy before that was nothing liking this movie makes us artsy. It makes us uh, whatever, but 
the reality is, I don't give a fuck. This movie was really good, and it made me feel things. Yes. Sometimes I want horror to make me feel things while also being kind of gross, and there's some gross stuff here. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really good. I think it was really effective at what it was trying to do. It's definitely an experiment, but it's one that works. Excellent. Uh, What's your number three, my man? My number three is a little movie we already talked about called The Wolf is Snow Hollow. Yes. Yes. Um, I mentioned this on the show. I'll say it again with no spoilers. There is a scene in this movie which scared the fuck out of me. Right. <laughs> and I, I understand that. Like, I am extremely easy to frighten. I'm, I, I, I am done a frighten quite easily. But that scene where he asked someone to stand up straight um, made me want to piss in my pants. It's so fucking creepy. I don't even want to talk about it. Like, I mean, I, look, look, I will say this for those of our audience for whom, you know, they're like, well, Justin was scared. That's no big deal. I wouldn't, I don't know how scared I was exactly when that happened, but I will say the moment he said that and the person stood up, I audibly said, oh, fuck you. And exactly. Because I knew where we were going and it was upsetting. Oh God! <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do it! Oh fuck! Oh, I got goosebumps now! Oh my God! It's not like the time when we saw it and you screamed like a child, which I will always bring up. That's fine. I I am very susceptible to jump scares. They yeah. fucking destroy me, which is why I I you know that's why I'm kind of like a a little skeptical of them. It's like they're, they work so well on me that I'm like, you better have fucking earned the scream I'm about to give in this theater. Oh yeah. Cause if you didn't fuck you. And if you want to know more about jump scares, check out the article, the edition of this Justin, I did on my favorite jump scares at cinepunks.com. Fair. All right. What's your number two? So, uh, I will straight up own right now that my number two, my number one, are movies that people are going to have issue with saying whether they are horror films or not. But I think that they are wrong. So they're on my list, and they're very high because I think they're both very good. My number two is uh, a little bit of a legacy act, let's say, Uh, and that is a little film called Possessor. Why did you say it was a legacy act? Well, because it's David Cronenberg's son. Who's David Cronenberg again? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, I'm fucking kidding you. I don't know who he is. You son of a bitch. We only we've only done episodes on the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, I you know uh, uh, what is his name? Brandon Brandon Cron- Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked Antiviral. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say it was my favorite that year, but I, I definitely liked it. This is at a whole other level. This is some pure. It manages to include some of the. Uh, Uh, themes that one would associate with his father but it does something completely different with them and while i get that it has a bit more of a sci-fi almost actiony feel the functionality of the science fiction part of this movie is so horrifying in the way that it plays out on screen that i will not accept that this is not a horror movie this is some squirm in your seat just made me uncomfortable. Uh, I really liked it the first time I saw it, and then I rewatched it, the uncut version. Oh, my God. the uncut version is what you need to put in front of your eyeballs, and you need to do it right now. Do you... uh, mm, 
right uh, now. Do they right need now. to? <laughs> they fucking oh need to. Oh, my God. I, uh, you okay. will either thank me or curse me later, and either way, I'm okay with it. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, that gets, that's one of the movies I'm going to throw up on uh, Instagram and, and, and Twitter as an honorable mention. It didn't make my top 20, but holy fucking mackerel. Like that uncut version, I was like, ah, oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. Yep. There we go. Oh, that yeah. Happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's extreme. It's an extreme film. Uh, it, 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 it does something else that I think is hard to do, which is, really push the envelope and push people's buttons without ever feeling edge lordy. You're never like, this is a dude twirling his fucking mustache, petting his fedora, being like, I'm going to fuck with all the normies. Oh no. I feel like every moment of this movie is earned and deserved and is that much more upsetting for it. So, Oh, absolutely. Possessor uncut. Check it out. Um, before I go into my number two, I just want to throw out some of the list that we were sent by. Oh right! Oh, I should have. I forgot that we could have covered that early on. By the homies. Let's do. First it. up is Nick Spacek. You, I don't need to fuck tell you guys who Nick is. You know who Nick Spacek is. You should. He uh, he asked me to to specifically say. You will notice that color out of space is not on this list. That is not a mistake. So I. Nick was not a fan of Colorado Space. He didn't like it. I will say that I think I put it on my list last year, and that's why it's not on my list this year. It features the greatest living American actor, Nicolas Cage. That's all I'll say. Um, he also emailed me a second time to point out he had forgotten to put one BR on there. So one BR should be on there. Okay, his list was number 10, Vampires versus the Bronx. Number 9, The Invisible Man. Number 8, Underwater. Number 7, 12-Hour Shift. Number 6, Uncle Peckerhead. Number 5, She Dies Tomorrow. Number 4, The Oak Room, which is a movie I haven't... I remember seeing the trailer for and wanted to see. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but it looked amazing. I don't know anything about it. I really want to see it. Uh, number three, Bloody Hell. Number two, The Stylist. And can you guess what Nick's number one was? No idea. The Beach House. Really? I really yeah. like The Beach House, uh, but I think it was an honorable mention movie for me. Yeah. Three of those movies I did not see at all, which is funny. Both you and Nick have stuff on your list that I'm like, I didn't even see that. <laughs> uh, next up is friend of the show, editor, and fellow leftist gun lover, Adriana Gobert. With Promising Young Woman, Come to Daddy, She Dies Tomorrow, His House, La Llorona, Bad Hair, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, The Swerve, and Possessor. Uh, it's worth saying that um, we obviously love The Swerve, but I think we put it in our list two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, I did it, I did it last year. So, uh, and then, um, what was at the beginning? There was something she said at the beginning of the list that actually I wanted to mention. What was it? Uh, Come to Daddy? Yes. I didn't get to see it. I haven't seen it. I really, but it it looked good. I think, I think it probably would make my list. It feels like the kind of weird, quirky, whatever that I would like. Um, but I haven't had a chance. It's on my to watch list, which at some point I just, you know, you got to record. You can't just keep watching movies. You got to. Exactly. Yeah. You got to branch out. Uh, then is friend of the show. If we had a mascot, she would be the mascot, the mag witch to our pip. Dana, she really liked the host. That's all she said. 
I think it's actually called just host. The host just, is the just uh creation. yeah, just just host, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all she said too. I remember she was like, I really like the host. I, was, I really liked host. I just did too. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for the input. <laughs> I mean, I like host too, actually. I, uh, yeah. you know, honorable mention for sure. Um, I don't know. That's funny though. I, I wonder if she hasn't seen other ones or if that was just for her just the best thing. She, for those people who don't know, because we haven't had her as a guest yet, so you'll know when we do. Uh, Dana has very specific tastes. She loves horror, but she loves specific horror. And so sometimes things that we might really love, she would be bummed on because it's, to her, kind of corny. Yes. And then we had one half of the final girls, Amy, say, this is great. I love the fact that her number one was host, and then her number two was babysitter killer queen, Babysitter, Killer Queen. I haven't watched it, so I have no opinion on that. Which she didn't like. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I will say for a lot of other uh, horror podcast hosts, um, don't have time to catch new horror. I mean, honestly, I don't catch half the stuff that you do because um, sometimes you're busy watching other stuff or you have other life stuff. So, um, you know, I wasn't surprised when they told us that they just hadn't watched that many new movies. Yeah. Um, then we have on Twitter, our good friend Dark Humor Girl, number 15, Climate of the Hunter, number 14, The Lodge, number 13, Attack of the Demons, which I really wanted to see. That's like an animated really film, w- isn't it? I really want to see that. I also want to see the, the what did she say, the Hunter one? I forget what that Climate was. of the Hunter? I That was playing two different fests that I had, th- and I couldn't get to see it. It really bummed me out. Yeah. Uh, number 12, His House, number 11, Scare Package. Number 10, your fucking favorite movie of all time, Blood Quantum. Uh, I did number, like Blood Quantum. I know. It's your favorite movie. I just said that. Stop. You just uh, you just don't like it, and it's fine. You don't have to like it. But Number 9, Syn- Synchronic. Number 8, Possessor. Number 7, Impetigore. Imped- I've been meaning to watch that, and I haven't had a Same. chance to yet. That's I on my, that's really on my list. Yeah. Um, anything for Jackson. Bloody hell. Oh, I can't believe I forgot anything for Jackson. You son Shit. of a bitch. I believe that would be an honorable mention for me, like probably like number 11 or 12 if I did a top 20 list. Fucking horrible person. Uh, Bloody Hell, Vampires vs. the Bronx, Uncle Peckerhead, Extraordinary, and number one, After Midnight. I like that Extraordinary made their list. I appreciate that. I like that list a lot. And I love that so many of our listeners and friends have things on their list that I haven't gotten to see. Because it reminds me that there's still stuff I need to catch. I can't believe I forgot anything for Jackson. It's really good. It is. It's It's really good. Yeah. Uh, And then Jacob Givens from Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. He said, Spontaneous, Host, Invisible Man, The Devil All the Time, and Possessor. Okay, okay. I know he really, really liked The Devil All the Time. He was actually supposed to review it for the site, but it's one of those things where, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jacob is a PhD student. He doesn't write a lot of movie reviews, so this is going to be like a newer thing for him. And uh, I think he almost liked the movie too much to write about it. You know what I mean? Like, he every time he starts to write about it, it's like, uh I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Like, when, when yeah. you just don't know how to. Uh, but I also like that he likes Spontaneous so much. I, 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 I get the vibe a lot of people wrote Spontaneous off as like a stupid teen movie or something. Uh, no, that movie was, that gets an honorable mention from me. I, I really enjoyed Spontaneous. 
if I'm doing a top 20, it's on the list. It's definitely within the top 20. It's yeah. so charming. It's very smart. It is. Uh, it manages to make children exploding work, you know, yeah. in a way where it, it, it moves from surprising to fun very quickly, even as it's still melancholy. The overall movie is melancholy, but it works, you know. I think it's... Uh, another movie where you're like, I can't believe you wrote and made this before the pandemic. Because guess what, buddies? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so my number two is another film I saw at Nightstream. Come true. I really want to see it. It's uh, I saw it on other people's lists. It's just not available for me to see right now, but it looks great. Yeah. It um. It captured the actual look and texture of nightmares in a way I've never seen a movie do before. Um, it, I mean, it went above and beyond even like, you know, dumpster person and Mulholland and Drive nightmare. Like it, it not only captured the sort of like air of menace of a nightmare. I mean, it looked like a fucking dream at times. Um, I don't know. It was just. It was just a really. Uh, it, it, it it get it like dances on that line of like being saccharine and like actually being like like tender, um, but ultimately I think it works. So that was my number two. Like it was a gorgeous movie, legitimately frightening, great performances, um, and yeah, just legitimately scary. So my um, I need to see it, and it's on my list, and hopefully I'll get to it soon. Uh, my number one is a go. movie that is listed in a number of places as 2019, but when I tried to look at the availability for people to actually see it, it feels like most people saw it in 2020. And so knowing that I certainly didn't put any list for last year, uh, I figured, well, it's my number one for this year. And if I'm off by year, you know, people can crucify me later. Uh, it's a little movie called Swallow. Very good. Very, very interesting. It is, for me, one of my favorite movies of the year, period. Uh, yes. Horror or not. And to me, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is a horror movie. It is It is not the horror movie I was expecting, which is very much some sort of weird body horror where a young woman poops out various items that she's swallowed and it's just gross and upsetting. Um, it is an entirely different kind of horror movie around control and family and abuse. And it is so smart and so well acted. I just, I, you know, I couldn't help myself. It, it, it was, without a doubt, one of the movies this year that affected me the most. And um, I don't know. I can't, I can't champion it enough, I don't think. Yeah, it, it was definitely a film that affected me. As well, like I, I, I feel what you're saying. Um, I think the premise alone of like not being in control of yourself and doing something like being compelled to do something that is unconventional and possibly harmful that in and of itself is like that's a bang up horror movie. And then you add in the element of like uh, control and like an abusive partner, and it makes it even worse. And then you get into the elements of family and past trauma, and it just takes it to this whole other level of, I don't know, this like wonderful flavor profile of just perfectly upsetting filmmaking. 
I like the idea of it being a flavor profile. That's pretty great. It's, I mean, that's the best way to look at it. <sighs> All right. What's your number one, man? Let's My do number it. one is a little movie Break called this wide open. My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Oh, yes. Yeah. The feel good movie of 2020. Man, I love that. I love it. I when you when you kind of responded a little bit to me picking it, I thought, oh, I'm surprised it didn't make his list at all. But of course it did. Deeply melancholy film. <laughs> like deep like uh, um in case you can't tell, in case you're unaware that Liam and I are laying on rather thick about this being the feel-good movie of the year, this movie is like a fucking Sisters of Mercy song come to life and then made even sadder somehow. It's like, the tone is like, I, I can't even, I don't even want to like make a fucking joke about it because it's just, it's such an, it's such a upsetting movie about family and I don't know, the feeling of like the world moving on without you and what it means, like, I don't know, like similar, it, it, it made me feel in a way similar to, similarly that like Relic did in the sense that it's like, you know, obviously like I don't view taking care of my grandfather as a burden. Like I love my grandfather. I don't feel like my grandfather has chained me down. But that feeling could easily curdle into something toxic. And I think that's what this movie is about. It, it's about when obligations to family members become so full of dreadful gravity that they become like a burden that's holding you down. And you don't even see them as like a as a family member anymore. They're just like an obligation. And it, it like the the dehumanization of the main character. Or not not the main character, I guess like the MacGuffin, this the 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 younger brother, and how like they don't even see him as a family member anymore. He's just another fucking thing they have to do. They have to take care of him. Like their entire lives revolve around this person that they don't even really know. They don't want to know. And there's just something that's so blackly depressing about that that it, it it transcends depressing and it like becomes something beautiful i guess um i don't know i i i watched this film and like any good movie it, it stuck with me it it moved me in a way that i was almost not comfortable with and it made me examine myself in a way that i was almost not comfortable with but ultimately in the end i think it did the balancing act of being something that took you out of your comfort zone, but also made you grateful to have experienced it. If that makes any sense. Which it does to me, so fuck it. I love this movie, and I'm glad it's my number one of the year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it I, I think it'd be easy to accuse the film of being very slight. But I think that ignores the deep emotional impact it has. And I think that impact is fucking massive. For a film yeah. with this small of a cast, this sort of tight of an idea, it really explodes emotionally. And I don't know. It's it's an amazing movie. Yeah. It just, uh, just minimalist, just just fucking packs a punch like it's it's and uh, you know without without 
like a trace of humor. Like if you're having a rough time, don't watch this movie. Like this is a 100%. movie where, like this is a movie to watch when you're feeling safe and stable, and you know it's it's like we always say how like the films we love never love us back. I'm gonna say that 90% of the time, it's a good thing to watch a movie and feel like you've been kicked in the stomach by it because it makes you feel alive. This is a movie that is so grim. I'm I'm almost like, get yourself in a good headspace before you watch this movie. Like, mm-hmm. get yourself in a headspace where you can be knocked down a couple notches and still be okay, because <laughs> this is going to knock you down at least a notch or two. I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that something I saw on a lot of people's lists that we didn't really bring up is uh, was uh, Invisible Woman or Invisible Man. Invisible Man. Yeah, that 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 would get an honorable mention for me. That was I, yeah. I you know I I I think it's worth mentioning for me only because it was so important to so many people. Absolutely. And so I don't want to ignore that. Uh, it just you know for me it was very good, but it just didn't stick with me in the same way. And I I even revisited it and thought yeah it's good you know it's yeah, I, I mean honestly for me i not to toot my own horn but i had watched so many films this year um which side note it makes me so happy that like when all this fucking bullshit with the coronavirus started when our fucking asshole leaders in government failed us completely and we were turned into like fucking gnarly reverse vampires um I was like, man, this is going to suck. Like, we're not going to get to see Black Widow. And then they canceled, like, I don't know where I'm going with this. What? Black Widow? Eternals? What? They pushed back Antlers. They pushed back Candyman. They pushed back, like, a lot of movies. They knocked them off the bracket. And I was, like, kind of worried that um, 2020 was not going to be a good year for horror. But, you know, there are a few people out there the heroes amongst us, the gods that walk amongst us mortals that rose sure. up yeah. and fucking they, uh, you know, Caliban going down into the Morlock tunnels, the break Sabretooth's back. They fucking rose to the occasion. And if you get that reference, I'll give you $5. Uh, yeah. They rose to the occasion and they made an incredible year for horror movies. Like it was an ordeal for me to, to trim this down to 20 films that I re- like, there were very few films that I saw this year where I was like, I didn't like that movie, mm. and I'm not going to bother talking about them because it's a waste of time. But it was difficult to to like literally until like we started recording it at at approximately seven o'clock. I'm sorry, approximately eight o'clock. At six thirty, I was like, oh Jesus, I better switch something around. I I need to talk about this before I talk about that. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, well- just like. I, I think I had a little bit of a tougher time because I didn't have because of being a, a dad and, you know, uh, uh, not really having all the time uh, thanks to the pandemic that I would have normally when uh, my little girls at daycare. Um, I didn't have as much time for movies as I do normally. And yet I still managed to catch a lot of really quality horror films. And I think that. Um, you know, it's it's worth again. I don't think either one of us are ready to abandon the theatrical experience. No. But the idea that like once they close theaters, movies were over is bullshit. Because as with any year, a lot of the best things out there weren't going to play your local multiplex anyway. 
So if you get a chance to stream something, don't be above it, y'all. Watch it at home while you can. You know, like I, I just think it's a really actually great opportunity in a lot of ways to to catch some stuff. And you know, I'll be first in line once it's safe to go back to a theater. But movies didn't end. You know, movies didn't go away. There's still lots of great stuff out there. I agree. Well, I guess we better wrap up. That was uh, that was our 2020 in review. That was which, 2020. You know, if you take it on the horror movie level, it wasn't so bad. If you take the rest of what happened in 2020, I guess it was still the hellscape that we all are familiar with. But at least some of the movies were really good. <laughs> Very true. That's the upside, um, I guess. <laughs> so I don't even I, in 2021. Like I think like Candyman is like a movie. Sure. Yeah. Maybe Antlers. I don't know. I, I don't even know if that movie's coming out anymore. I'm sure stuff is going to come out. It's going to be great. I'm already hearing about stuff. It'll be awesome. You heard it first. Liam the Optimist. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you should head to cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast and like a bajillion other podcasts. There's so many podcasts you should check out. Um, you can also head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks if you want to support us as a patron. And... We're not going to forget to tell you to go get shit printed at www.xlpacx.com, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, and to sip the finest coffee. The that, finest. The finest coffee that the great Keystone state of Pennsylvania has to offer. That's true. They are from Pennsylvania. They are from Pennsylvania. Well, they're based in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I guess Aaron will always be from uh, Boston. Boston. Ish, Boston ish. I don't even know if he's from directly this city, but. Well, either way, he's a man who's rooted in a city that has a great respect for coffee because they love Dunkin' Donuts up there. Donkeys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. Let's wrap All up. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Um, fuck the GOP. Uh, I hope that we take the Senate back. And by we, I mean the Democrats. That's the closest we come to it. Um, and otherwise, hawk heck. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!